You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Assalamualaikum, a very good morning, and may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you. Welcome to a live edition of The Breakfast Show here at The Voice of Islam. This morning I'm joined by my co-presenter, Brother Nafis. How are you this fine morning? I am very well. The weather's good, so I'm, I'm more than happy. Alhamdulillah. All praise belongs to God. Um, as usual, we'll have a jam-packed full uh, morning show. We'll be discussing um, an array of topics. And indeed, as per usual, we'll have um, morning news very shortly. But before we do delve into the morning news, a quick... Um, Introduction of our um, segments for this morning. Um, our first segment will be starting at 7.30. We'll be talking about the contribution of technological innovation to societal advancements. So a very um, intriguing and thought-provoking topic. And our second segment, which will start around 8 o'clock, 8.15-ish, is the um, topic regarding why are so many people being asked to be rated online, um, very contemporary, very in the the now sort of issue. Um, but before we do jump into those, a quick run up of the headlines and see what's been happening in um, our morning papers. So I think the first sort of um, breaking news, if, if that's what we're calling it, is Nicola Sturgeon um, has more or less resigned or to stand down from the SNP and the BBC reports that the SNP leader made the announcement on Wednesday after more than eight years in the job. She plans to remain in office until her successor is elected. The SNP's National Executive Committee will meet on Thursday evening to draw up a timetable for a leadership <coughs> race. With no obvious successor, the party's first leadership contest in nearly 20 years could see a debate <coughs> on future direction and st- strategy. The possible replacements include John Sweeney, the Deputy First Minister who became the SNP leader in 2000, following the resignation of Alex Salmond before leaving the post for four years. Kate Forbes, the Finance Secretary, underwent a m- meteoric rise in recent years, currently on maternity leave. Under Yusuf, the Health Secretary, who has held several senior posts in government, Angus Robertson, who previously headed the SNP's Westminster Group and was a vocal critic of Theresa May's government, and Keith Brown, the Just Secretary. Um, Ms Sturgeon made her announcement at a hastily um, convened a news conference at her official Edinburgh residence, Butte House, but insisted... It was a decision she had been weighing up for some time. She said that in order to serve well, a politician needed to accept when it was time to make way for someone else. In my head and in my heart, I know that the time is now that it's right for me, for my party and my country, she said. Ms Sturgeon said her departure was not in response to the latest period of pressure, which has included controversies over gender recognition reforms, trans prisoners, a strategy on independence. She emphasised the huge pressures and sacrifices that came with serving in high office and in I'm a human being as well as a politician. She intends to remain an MSP until at least the next Holyrood election. The party's ruling body will now also have to decide on whether to go ahead with a special conference due to take place in March to discuss Ms Sturgeon's strategy of using the next general election as a de facto independence 
referendum. So yeah, this is um, quite huge, actually. Um, and the SNP's leader standing down now. From what I understand and from what I've read, I think, um, albeit she has said that, you know, it's um, sort of her decision. She's been weighing it for some time and what have you. But I think what sort of broke the camel's back, the, this last straw which broke the camel's back was um, to do with, dare I say, the um, gender reform policy, which um, did not get passed through Westminster. But there you are, there is speculation regarding her resignation. Uh, Brother from the Feast, anything which caught your eye this morning in the papers? Anything interesting? Yeah, I've actually been following the news in the, the Syria and Turkey mm. well, with the devastation that people are going through. Sadly, we must always remember those people in our prayers and thoughts and, you know, um, genuinely just pray for them. They're going through tough times. But um, when you watch the news, you always see... Um, uh, the power of God, our Creator, and uh, there's something very interesting I saw in the news was that um, a young young baby boy was rescued, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it, there was no chance of him surviving. And uh, one of the main reasons uh, which led to his survival was that his father covered him covered him with his body he more or less arched him or mm. um just covered him throughout and and more or less took the weight of the rubble and uh, so when they pulled him out sadly his father had passed away mm. but the child was fully protected so it's it's very it's it's a it's a reminder to all of us that um god is the greatest and the the, the love that god has put in parents only mm. a creator like uh, allah Who's the, who's the Lord of all the worlds mm -hmm. can do that and people who are helpless especially children uh, I mean even this morning us, the, another child um, they have said after 170 plus hours mm -hmm. uh, has been rescued so um, our thoughts our prayers always uh, oh yeah definitely you know it's incredible I think it's touched hundreds of thousands if not millions or tens of millions around the world um, you know the devastating Earthquakes in Syria and indeed in Turkey, um, and it's you know it's incredible really the scenes and the um, the reporting that you know all of us have seen on how so many people have you know both come forward internationally and indeed the there the yes the rescue efforts which are currently being undertaken by you know an array of bodies. In other news, um, our beloved NHS, which has been um, under increasing pressure. And the BBC reports that some ambulance callers are being told to go elsewhere. A new way of screening ambulance calls is to be introduced across England in an effort to improve response times. NHS England is asking ambulance crews to review which emergency calls other than those classed as immediately life-threatening can be treated elsewhere. The calls known as Category 2 include emergencies such as heart attacks and strokes, but the category also covers some that may not need such a fast response, such as burns and severe headaches. About 40% of these lower-priority calls classed as Category 2 by call handlers will now receive callbacks from a doctor, nurse or paramedic 
to see whether there is an alternative to sending an ambulance. In trials in London and across the West Midlands, nearly half of those receiving a callback were advised to go instead to an urgent treatment clinic, their GP or a pharmacist. NHS England is now asking the other eight ambulance services in England to adopt the approach. Last year, most ambulance call-outs, nearly 5 million, were for Category 2 emergencies. In December, they took more than 90 minutes on average to arrive, the worst response time on record. In January, this dropped to 32 minutes, but the target is... Any ideas, Brother Nafis? I couldn't guess, no. 18 minutes. Mm-hmm. Professor Julian Redhead of NHS England said this new system will, will allow a conversation between a nurse and a paramedic or a doctor and the patient and between them and they'll be able to decide whether an ambulance is the best response or whether no ambulance is required and they're better cared for in a different environment so well I can't even imagine you know in December it took more than 90 minutes on average to arrive for an ambulance yeah, you're absolutely right. I remember very recently, in fact, maybe one or two days ago, somebody I knew, um, an elderly person, they were um, they had to wait for an ambulance, I think, for just over an hour. Gosh. And, you know, and, uh, you, you never know what what can happen, yeah. how bad it is. And Every second feels like. Every, yeah, exactly. So when you, when you are there to help or support that person, you mm. know, each and every moment, you know, it's, it's like an hour it takes takes ages you don't 100%, know what's going yeah. happen yeah every every second feels like an hour um but you know our prayers are with you know the betterment of the services especially with regards to health because of you know the critical element really um and the devastating effects and repercussions of where the services which are there to protect us um are inadequate so hopefully things do do um, improve. Um, in other news, a mother or two um, pulled from the rubble uh, in in Turkey, or rather in Syria this time. Mm-hmm. Um, the total death toll for the Turkey Turkish Syria earthquakes has passed forty one thousand. Turkish authorities say thirty five thousand four hundred and eighteen people have been killed in the country. Mm-hmm. The Syrian government and the United Nations say more than 5,800 people have died in Syria. Yet rescuers are also continuing to find survivors. A mother and her two children were rescued in Turkey's Antakya 228 hours after the first earthquake. The World Health Organization says the zone of greatest concern is northwestern Syria where anger is growing over the slow delivery of humanitarian assistance. The UN is appealing for $397 million in aid to help 5 million Syrian survivors with shelter, health care and food. The NATO chief, uh, Jean Stoltenberg, will visit areas affected by the earthquakes in Turkey and he will meet President Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Foreign Minister Melvut Kosovo in in Ankara. Um, so yeah, you know, devastating. You know, forty one thousand people, and and probably still counting because yeah. there's plenty of you know bodies to recover. Hopefully, they will recover people yeah. who are still uh, alive or they can resuscitate them. Mm, uh, no, most definitely. 
Um, we're going to go for a short break now, and after the break, we'll continue our first segment. Um, and as our tradition here, we will also have uh, assistance with um, some pre-recorded interviews, I believe, um, from our guest caller. So stay tuned. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamu Welcome back to the Breakfast Show here at the Voice of Islam. And before the break, we were going over the news, seeing what's been happening, and it's high time now that we do start off our first segment. So the first segment's about the contribution of technological innovation to societal advancements. Um, so the gist of the story really is that in America, Innovation Day is commemorated on the 15th. Uh, sorry, on the February the 16th to recognise the role that new knowledge plays in making a country more advanced and powerful. And this day is a great way not only to make the existing <coughs> crop of scientists feel valued and appreciated, but it also inspires young people to pursue a career in technology and innovation. This special day celebrates the achievements of the scientific community and opens the door to new technologies inventions and careers for the younger generation. So, I guess the question in everybody's mind really is, is what impact has technological evolution had on society in the last century? Well, some of the notable technological advancements made in the past century are the notorious invention of the computer in 1946, mind you, smartphones in 1999, electronic televisions, Compact cassette tapes in 1962, and the good old microwave oven. The microwave was an accidental discovery by Percy Spencer, involving a bar of chocolate in 1945 when working for Raytheon. He noticed that the microwaves started to melt. The bar he had in his pocket. <coughs> this invention was patented in 1947, and the first appliances were 1.8 meter tall and weighed 340 kg and cost around 3,000 pounds, probably 10 times the price of a house at that time. <laughs> and through technological development, we can now all produce a TV dinner in minutes and have a melting bar of chocolate to thank for this. Good old video games, 1968. And the, the A R. P-A-N-E-T, or Advanced Research Projects Agency Network, together with the TCPIP, would eventually form the spine of how the Internet works. 
and of course digital cameras so brother on the fees how has technological transition um changed our everyday life so you know your tvs your smartphones and your laptops um absolutely it's changed a lot but uh, talking of uh, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned computers and microwaves and uh, it says here that the first microwave was 1.8 meters tall right and uh, yeah. when they invented the first computer i believe it was so big hmm. you could walk in it oh wow yeah and and uh, i mean i even read this recently in one of the interviews one of these um uh, experts said that one day a computer will be able to fit uh, on on a desk mm. and we've seen that with our own eyes oh, yeah. so what i'm wondering is mm. what's your opinion on the fact that how would they keep these big items in the house well that's a i think that's a brilliant question um and my imagination will only allow me to think that those huge items were perhaps only in factories um, and were m perhaps dare i say not mass produced or for the public or at least commercially sold and especially in um you know the 1960s or 40s or whatever it is um the cost you know the cost absolutely price, it, it says pounds. yeah so that's like what 10 times the price of the house at that time yeah and i doubt i think yeah. the majority of the population could have afford um at least a microwave then but anyways back to your question how has technological um transition changed our everyday life uh so te technology affects almost every aspect of uh, 21st century life from transport efficiency and safety to access to food and healthcare so socialization and productivity and so on and so forth the power of the internet has enabled people globally to share ideas and resources easier than ever before however the overuse of some technology has been linked to a decline of mental health uh, increased social division and privacy concerns and this is actually uh, brother shizay very interesting that um mm. there's 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 a, a lot of discussion about technology and how it has affected uh, mental health and mm. especially um youngsters p uh, youth how they might be suffering or might has it really been the best thing for them mm. but um i think most most people would say that technology in itself is uh, not bad mm. it's definitely not bad it's i mean it's it's for the benefit for uh, humankind mm. but um i think the use of it is what makes it good or bad so i think within staying within the limits or using it the right way the correct way um i think that's the uh, most and um, important thing yeah no you know the use and not the abuse um anything that which is abused will definitely have its repercussions and you know mental health is a huge thing um especially in the, in the you know in this last decade or so um and it's um paramount that our youth understand the the powers um that social media the technology you know all of this sort of umbrella topic has because of you know nowadays you you always see you know children and indeed young adults um predominantly on their phones um just you know swiping right left center more all of that you know um whereas interaction communication you know these sort of basic um 
attributes or um, sort of skills are diminishing. Absolutely. I'm glad you mentioned that because I, I was thinking if you go back even 50 years, right? Yeah. And uh, if those people could foresee into the future, into the 21st century, they could see what's happening today. Mm. They would be shocked that um, how are people socializing the, in this day and age? Mm. And how uh, socializing with each other has more or less deteriorated or vanished. In some cases, some people spend more time online uh, than, you know, trying to socialize, talking to people. In fact, um, people living in the same house were it's 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 as if strangers are living in the same house mm. because they're spending too much time on technology online on computers on Instagram yeah. checking out other people's posts posting their stuff mm. what's going on in their life so it it, it has um has an uh, had a massive massive impact mm. uh, on humankind exactly but on the flip side you know um the technology has also allowed us to interact with you know your long distance um, relative friends, family members, you know, via video calls, which you know, allows us to communicate with you know others whenever we feel like it. Um, and you know, thanks to you know the lockdowns that we've had in the past two or so years, um, and the social distancing, families and friends were able to meet up and socialize via these video calls. So I guess there's always two sides to a story, and um, the i think the the overarching message really is that anything which you know is taken out its out of its you know true purpose or existence will definitely have um detrimental effects on our well-being the internet has also increased people's vulnerability um to being hacked and having their privacy invaded as ever more um as, as rather as every move we make online is recorded and we have you know digital footprints everywhere really um, and technological advancements have also created conveniences for people in their lives for example online shopping and it enables us to you know shop without worrying about whether we took our wallet out or not um, and thanks to contactless cards and phone payments we don't need to worry about handing over cash or keying in a pin number just tap to pay and you're done I mean that that especially I think helped a lot in uh, in in the, during the pandemic, especially for the elderly who were more vulnerable. So it, it, I think it would have been much more convenient for them to um, uh, order their shopping online. Mm. Uh, people who do go out for shopping instead of paying in cash, they would u- use their smartphones or yeah. t- touchless cards. So I think um, it's it's um, it's helped a lot in that sense. Hundred percent. And just on the smartphone <coughs> um, topic. Smartphones have really enabled us to have access to limitless information at the tap of a phone. And it wasn't so long ago that you'd have to take a trip to the library to find out more in-depth information about a particular subject. But now, due to these advancements in technology, you can find hundreds of thousands of websites and pages dedicated to pretty much anything you can dream of. And if you can't find those websites, then it's good old YouTube, really. Mm -hmm. Um, A tutorial for everything and anything. And social media, you know, it's had a huge impact on the global society as a whole. And we've never seen global communication on such a scale. Um, they give us an insight into the waking lives of others in real time, whether they're friends, with a few followers or celebrities with millions. So um, it's really, you know, in, in its true <coughs> essence, a global village that we 
or reside in. And um, as you mentioned earlier, I think it's uh, we should uh, use and not abuse. Mm. That's, I think, the best way to put it. And especially mm. if you look at the way information is available in this day and age, it has never been available like mm. this before. And despite that, people in the past, and I believe we will mention that in a bit, have um, have achieved great, great uh, landmarks, have, ach- have had great achievements, uh, even without this technology being available the way mm. it is today. So I think it's also um, important and a reminder for all of us to, if, if we want to use technology the right, the right way, there's so much knowledge you can gain, there's so much you can learn and i think uh, this is what um the holy prophet of islam peace be, peace be upon him has taught us that um uh, gaining knowledge from the moment that you are in you know very young at a very young age mm-hmm. up to the point up to your deathbed is i think it's 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 a duty for every believer mm. that you should c- uh, carry on keep on increasing your knowledge uh, throughout your whole life Hundred um, percent, and that's why you know we're very much so for technology um, and its innovations and advancements. But in terms of Islam's um, disapproval of using human and animal imagery um, in many styles of art and architecture, resulted in Islamic artists decorating Islamic buildings with elaborate um, geometric patterns. Muslim artists discovered various types of um, symmetry that could depict shapes on two-dimensional surfaces. And over the time, this knowledge helped further the development of geometry. Your numbering system, which is heavily used in these sort of algorithms, a Persian mathematician in Muhammad al-Khwarizmi strongly advocated adopting the Hindu numerical system of 1 to 9 and 0, which had originated in India. And after the Islamic world embraced this system, it spread to Europe. It adopted the simple 0 to 9 numbering system, made complex calculations easier, and helped further develop mathematical and scientific innovation. And it also allowed for easier financial record-keeping of large amounts of money, which helped facilitate further trade and economic growth. And I think it's very important to emphasize on the fact that uh, Al-Khawarizmi, yeah. uh, mm. when he uh, invented the, the number zero as well, or he added zero as well, mm. that has led to uh, a lot of te- technological advancements, whether it was in the West or elsewhere. Mm. For example, all the computers we use today, all the technologies we use, mobile phones, printers, and so on and so forth, right? Whatever you can think of, it it wouldn't have been done without this discovery. So... Um, I mean, even if, for example, even if you're writing something against religion or against Islam, mm. at the end of the day, you, yeah. you, you, you're using... Uh, the roots are from an Islamic <laughs> Exactly, right. right. Yeah. So next time, keep that in mind. Uh, very interesting. Um, algebra. Nasr al-Din al-Tulsi developed algebra as a mathematical discipline. Algebra allowed for more complex mathematical calculations which further helped develop our mathematical, scientific, and technological advancements. In the movement of stars and planets, the mathematician El Tulsi was also an astronomer. He mapped the motion of the stars and planets. He theorized that the Milky Way galaxy was a large number of clustered stars and strongly supported the idea that the Earth was not our rest but moving 
the development of medical facilities and practices. Islamic scholars developed the use of hospitals to treat severely sick patients, training programs for doctors and medical professionals. They discovered antiseptics like alcohol to clean and sterilize wounds and opium for pain relief developed in the Islamic world. Your understanding of biological function. The Islamic medical practitioners also understood complex and atomical workings such as blood circulation and how diseases like smallpox, leprosy and STDs spread. Development of medical instruments. Modern medical professionals still use many medical devices developed in the Islamic world, including forceps, scapels and surgical needles. So in essence, I think Islam, uh, or at least golden ages of Islam, mm. uh, which is what it's really <coughs> referred to, has contributed to the technological advancements um, and the scientific um, progression um, through a great deal. And this is very much so recorded within um, various documentaries and indeed in history, um, the service that Islam provided for these advancements is unparalleled and um, incredibly significant. The technological innovation is viewed as an important aspect of human development in Islam and the Holy Quran, the uh, Holy Scripture for Muslims across the world encourages the pursuit of knowledge as Brother Nefitra mentioned earlier on and its application for the betterment of humanity. And Islamic history is full of examples of Muslims many scientific contributions to science, mathematics, medicine and technology. Islamic scholars have recognized the positive impact of technological advancements on society, for instance in the field of medicine, such as vaccines and antibiotics and surgical procedures have saved countless lives and improved the overall health of people. And in the field of transportation, the development of aeroplanes, trains and cars made travel more accessible and efficient. And the use of renewable energy resources such as solar and wind power is also encouraged in Islam as it helps preserve the environment. Brother uh, Nafis, the, um, the mathematician um, Al-Khwarizmi, what else do we know about him and um, some of his um, contributions in pioneering um, algebra and indeed um, the concept of algorithms. So Al-Khawarizmi was a 9th century Persian mathematician. Uh, he made uh, contributions to algebra and introduced the concept of algorithms, which laid the foundation for modern computer science. Um, Ibn Haytham, a renowned uh, physicist, is uh, also worth mentioning here. He was a physicist and a mathematician. He made groundbreaking contributions to optics and uh, scientific methods. Uh, when we look at the field of medicine, Muslims made um, significant adva advancement in uh, pharma, uh, in in surgery and uh, anatomy. Uh, Razi, also known as um, Razes, in the West, was a Persian physician who wrote a comprehensive medical encyclopedia and made significant contributions. Um, Ibn Sina, 
is also worth mentioning here. Um, he's also known as, uh, known as Avicenna, was a Persian polymath who wrote the canon of medicine, which became standard in medical text in Europe for centuries. Um, Muslim engineer, uh, engineers also made significant contributions to architecture, uh, mechanics, and hydraulics. Uh, Al-Jazari, a 13th century Muslim um, inventor and engineer, wrote the Book of Knowledge of Ingenious Mechanical Devices, which contains descriptions of over 100 uh, mechanical devices, such as uh, clock, uh, automata, and water-powered machines. It's incredible, um, you know, the the Muslim scientists who have served um, in advancing the overall understanding and indeed um, developments which they have provided for the entire globe, really. Um, Abbas ibn Faraz was a Burma polymath who lived in Islamic Spain in the 9th century, and he's credited with designing and building the first glider, which he used to make a controlled flight from a tower. Al-Burini was a Persian polymath who lived in the 11th century and he made significant contributions to the fields of mathematics, astronomy and geography. And he's credited with developing the idea of the Earth's rotation and calculating the radius of the Earth. So some incredible, incredible um, individuals who have laid the foundations um, for our both scientific, mathematical and indeed um, you know, pharmaceutical advancements. We'll take a short break, uh, and after the break, we'll continue with this um, introduction of these um, great individuals. So stay tuned and don't go anywhere. You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. Before the break, we were talking about the Islamic revolutionaries, um, Islamic pioneers, and indeed greats. Um, and they were... Um, and we were going through all the contributions that they had made towards the advancements in both the sciences and the med- medical world and indeed in the world of maths. Um, additionally, um, alongside all the other um, individuals that we've mentioned, we as the uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community strive and believe that the attainment and the acquirement and procurement of knowledge is a fundamental principle. Um, and a fundamental belief within the religion and realms of Islam. And to conclude, really, the Islamic view of technological innovation is one that emphasizes its potential to improve human welfare and promote societal advancements, whilst also emphasizing the need for ethical considerations in the development and use of technology so that we can ensure that it does not violate Islamic values or indeed cause harm to individuals or society as a whole. And on these two very points, um, Brother Nafis, some of the advancements that the Yemeni Muslim community has indeed and both pushed for and supported um, in in the various parts of the world um, relating to both education and technology. Could you sort of highlight some of those um yeah, absolutely. Um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community supports the advancement of technology and encourages its members uh, to use technology to benefit um, humanity. Uh, 
um, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community places great emphasis on education and encourages its members to pursue education in scientific and technological fields. Um, the community has also established several schools and provides high quality education in science and technology such as Mahmoud School of Engineering in Ghana. It's important to mention here, <clears throat> we don't have just uh, schools in Ghana, but um, all over the world of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, in a number of um, African countries and uh, in, in, in other places, schools, uh, colleges, hospitals, um, eye clinics uh, and whatnot. And uh, a lot of people also benefit from uh, free education, free treatment, and that's all um, done by the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, community. Uh, um, so it's also involved in uh, various humanitarian and social projects and uses uses uh, uses technology to facilitate these efforts. For example, the Humanity First organization, uh, by the way, which is a, a charity that was established by the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, it is uh, affiliated with the community and has launched a telemedicine program in underprivileged areas in Pakistan using technology to connect patients with doctors and medical professions. <coughs> the Ahmadiyya Muslim community also encourages its members to be environmentally conscious and to use technology to promote environmental sustainability. The community has launched several uh, initiatives that aim to raise awareness about environmental issues such as the Green uh, Ramadan campaign which uh, promotes eco-friendly practices during the holy month of Ramadan. Uh, it's also very important to mention here that uh, we also have eco-friendly um, villages that have been established by uh, the community, by volunteers of the community in uh, remote places in uh, of the world such as, for example in africa uh, places that uh, villages that use um, solar energy uh, water pumps have been installed there and so on and so forth overall the ahmadi muslim community views technology as a tool of positive change and encourages its members to use technology in ways that uh, promote human welfare and social progress. The community also emphasizes the importance of ethical considerations in the development and use of technology and seeks to ensure that technology is used in a responsible and ethical manner <clears throat> that, it cons that, that is consistent with Islamic pr principles. So in a nutshell, uh, the Ahmadi Muslim community has and does always use uh, these technological advancements uh, in the best way possible to benefit uh, humankind and society as a whole. Yeah, indeed it does, and um, yeah, very well said and put, Brother Nafis. Um, because of not only our um, religious obligations, but also our obligations that we um, owe to our fellow mankind do we do these things. And with that end... Um, we conclude the first segment and swiftly move on to our second, which is why are so many people asking to be rated online? And the gist of the story really is um, across social media, more and more people are submitting selfies 
of themselves to have their appearances picked apart and rated by anonymous users. Hot or not, sites have a vast digital history, writes Ellie Muir. Shouldn't we know better by now? And I think the question which needs to be asked is, what is the effect of such behaviour on one's spirituality and morality? The youngsters of social media and the youngsters which are currently on social media post stories or forums on the internet asking complete strangers to rank them. The heap of websites are dedicated to this very activity. Teens are seeking validation by doing this on the internet. And the effects on these challenges, which may seem harmless at first, have detrimental effects in the long run. And children of these days are exposed to this. Much has been made over the years about how mainstream media presents unrealistic beauty standards in the form of photoshopped celebrities or stick-thin fashion models. Now that influencers filled up our feeds, it's easy to imagine that social media too is all bad when it comes to body image. People are comparing their appearance to people in Instagram <coughs> images or on whatever platform they're on, and they often judge themselves to be worse off, says Jasmine Foudley, a postdoctoral researcher at Macquarie University in Sydney. I think it's um, very, very important to also note here that uh, it's th social media, if you use it in a bad way, uh, it has a really, really bad effect on young people, especially mental health. Generally, everyone's mental health. But so you, we mentioned, you just mentioned here that um, people uh, are posting pictures of themselves pictures that are photoshopped yeah. in other words they make themselves or their bodies look unnatural in mm. one way or another yeah. and youngsters who are looking at these posts they they think that's natural they mm. want to be like that they want to look uh, in, in, a, in a certain way what they see online mm. and when it's when they realize that it's not achievable it, it lets them down it has an it has a a really, really negative effect on their mental health. Mm. And uh, then uh, they could come to a realization that this is just um, photoshopped or it's um, this appearance has been achieved by unnatural means. Mm. And that would lead them or um, push them towards um, going to those means, which are mm. definitely, definitely uh, not going to have um, a, a positive effect on their mental health or their self-esteem. I think one should be happy with uh, what our the creator has given them <coughs> in the shape of their body mm. or for who they are and instead of being you know somebody fake or looking at something that's unrealistic on social media and trying to be like that mm. and even people who um, i mean post such kind of um photos or posts um images online they mm. should also take that into consideration that you know you, who are you fool, fooling? You know, you're fooling yourself, you're fooling the world. Mm. You are presenting to be somebody that you know you're not. So definitely, sooner or later, it's uh, it's it's going to have an effect on your mental health. Mm -hmm. You know, your guilt is going to kick in. You're going to realize that um, you know it's y what you are on social media. You're not like that in real life. And um, <clears throat> a lot of people also um, are coming forward now, and they're talking about. Uh, uh, I'm talking about certain social media influencers that um, this trend when you get into this business 
it's really, 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 really attractive and, you know, you want to do these things and, uh, you know, use Photoshop or, you know, in unnatural ways, um, change your body or whatever. Mm. But um, a lot of these influencers are coming forward and they are saying that, you know, we that's not our real image. Mm. We're something else and on the social media page, mm. it's something somebody completely different in reality and it's had a bad effect on our mental health and it's depressing me and this, mm. that and the other. And uh, so some people are raising awareness. But uh, nevertheless, um, it's important to remember that um, uh, we should use and not abuse. Oh, 100%. And I second what you say in terms of you know, what I can't seem to fathom is how our um, how somebody finds a time, really, um, to constantly be worrying about their appearance. Exactly. Um, you know, we can put this this concerted <coughs> effort towards other, um, you know, achievements and sort of overcoming other hurdles, you know, advancements in our, in our career or in our education or whatever else it may be, you know, trying to better ourselves. And merely going for aesthetic uh, pleasure shouldn't be the goal um, of our youth or indeed um, anyone, really. Um, and like you mentioned earlier on, Brother Nafis, Allah the Almighty has granted us you know, our health. If we are healthy, you know, we should praise him and thank him. Mm-hmm. That being the paramount uh, point here. And you know, we're, we're not saying don't look after yourself, don't groom or mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, make an effort. By all means, Islam promotes cleanliness and hygiene. Uh, and indeed, uh, physical activity and exercise. But when we delve into the realms of, like you were hinting towards earlier on, um, cosmetic surgery, plastic surgery, and all of these mm-hmm. sort of avenues just to bring about the perfection, um, we should always remember that the only perfect being or identity is exactly, and, uh, Allah the Almighty. Talking of Islamic principles, Islam is strongly strongly against lying or deceiving the other other person Mm. so when you are posting something about yourself on social media Mm. that you are not Mm. really think about it are you are you are you lying are Mm. you are you trying to fool the the other person are you you, you lying to yourself Mm. first and foremost yeah no that that's a very important point um deception you know um trying to deceive another person um, and when it comes to various relationships, that being a huge factor, because naturally the identity which you pose before other people mm. may be different to what you know you really are or what you present before other people, mm-hmm. and that element has a huge or at least a detrimental effect to the other individuals coming into a relationship, whereby they seem to believe that um, you are what you say you are, but in reality. The scenario and the picture is completely different. His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, may Allah strengthen his hand, stated in the sermon, in a Friday sermon, these days the glitz and glamour of this world, vain vulgarities and many social societal ills are standing in front of us trying to ensnare us and take us away from morality. Though these are not considered ills by Western standards, these are ills according to Islamic teachings. As I said before, some wrong acts are done in the name of broad-mindedness. 
but then they keep pushing us towards evil. This is neither entertainment nor freedom. Rather, these are pits of fire in the name of entertainment and freedom. Allah the Exalted, who is extremely gracious to his people, has clearly explained for the believers that this is fire. This is a fire. Save yourself from it and save your children from it. I say to the young men and women who live in this society that this is not the objective of our lives. Do not think that the purpose of your life is to get involved in these vain pursuits. This lifestyle is all there. That this lifestyle is all there is for us. Through the status of being an Amdi, there should be a difference between you and others. And this um, Friday sermon was delivered on 23rd of April 2010 in Switzerland. Um, and really, it, it brings back to what we were referring to earlier on and His Holiness, um, you know, uh, brilliantly articulating the point in greater de- depth and detail. Our, our purpose here in life is much greater mm-hmm. than, um, you know, our vain vulgarities. And indeed, the Holy Quran states that who has made perfect everything he has created and he began the creation of man from clay. Uh, chapter 32, verse 8. Um, so, I think we'll we'll continue with this segment, and we'll also actually um, well I'll pose this question um, to you, brother Nafis, um, and then we'll <coughs> sort of take your answer after the break as to why do people um, and indeed individuals require or are dependent uh, to seek approval from others, others that perhaps dare I say. Um, when questioned, are lacking a standard for themselves. So, with this question in mind, uh, we'll take a break, and after the break, we'll carry on from here. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Assalamualaikum and welcome back to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. Before the break, we were going through some of the points regarding um, the significance of our true purpose here, uh, and not being too engrossed in, um, you know, vain um, pursuits or, should I say, um, cosmetic and superficial. Um, reasons to improve ourselves. Um, so, Brother Nafis, before the break, we pose this question to yourself as to the true reason behind this sort of dependency to seek approval from others, which, you know, um, 
perhaps don't have a standard of their own. So how would we go about this? Absolutely. So um, it's no secret that society has long placed a heavy emphasis on physical appearance, particularly for women. Um, uh, it leads to a culture of objectification and superficiality where people, women, um, especially uh, women, especially are judged and um, evaluated based on their looks. <coughs> Uh, teens are neurologically wired to be preoccupied with social relationships and status. They don't know themselves well. They don't know. They don't have much life experience how to draw, and it's easy for them to internalize the external feedback that they receive. And I think it's important to um, understand the fact that t uh, when you're a teenager, at that age especially, you don't know yourself. Uh, as much you you're not too sure what you want to be in life you're not you're too sure uh you know about even about your personality and mm. so on so on and so forth and you're more or less i think that it's a it's a very very important period in 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 everyone's life that age especially where you are developing yeah. your personality what you're going to be on and um at that age to uh have access to the wrong kind of uh, influence influence on social media to the wrong kind of posts uh, and so on and so forth it is very very dangerous it it will definitely have an effect on your uh, future on your future personality um, and so on and so forth mm. so even for I think it's also uh, important for parents mm. to know um, about these uh, dangers and uh, again technology social media Nobody is going to say that these are bad things because they're not bad things, actually. It's the use that makes them good or bad. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, I think that's something that um, I think parents as well as teenagers and children, everybody, in fact, needs to take into um, consideration. <clears throat> Teens are inclined to place, a, to place a high level of importance on the feedback they receive from ex external sources such as social media. Their sense of uh, identify, uh, identity is fragile, uh, and uh, seeking approval or likes or whatnot on social mm. media or um, feedback, I think that's that's also very very dangerous. On some, on Instagram or on other social media platforms, you post something, you get likes, you get comments, and so mm. on and so forth. Or, or your post reaches a certain number of uh, view viewership or gets a certain number of views or likes, or whatever. Mm. And then uh, th there's a point where that's something that uh, your brain thinks that should be normal, that your brain thinks that that's something I need, that's something that your body, that your subconscious thinks that that's good for me, that's what I need, I can't live without this, uh, and so on and so forth. So, um, again... Do we really need uh, approval or these likes? Um, how are they benefiting us? How are they benefiting our mental health? I think each and every individual uh, should uh, just think about themselves, what they really want. And again, as mentioned before, uh, teenage is a very, very, very important stage in our life, which um, I think you, you lay down the foundation uh, of your life. Uh, and it's going to have an effect on your future, especially your personality and so on and so forth.
Um, teens may also not be receiving the love and care at home, therefore turn to social media to seek that connection with people who accept and shower them uh, with attention uh, which they need. So again, <clears throat> uh, a lesson for the parents. Uh, very, very important for the parents to uh, note this, or take this into consideration. Uh, if your child is not getting the attention or the love at home, it's natural he's going to go elsewhere. He's going to try to find that mm-hmm. love or attention or comfort uh, elsewhere. His comfort zone is not going to be his home. Mm-hmm. It should be his home. Uh, a house should be his home. That's where he should feel comfort, co- comfortable and loved. He shouldn't. There should be no reason for him to go out and uh, to to seek that uh, elsewhere. Mm. especially on uh, social media what is the point um, of family then what's the point of uh, parenting uh, I think that's the key that's, that's a very key question which you raised what, what is the point of family um, that's a sad situation nowadays um, that we aren't seeing the whole family structure um, as we should um, be seeing we're seeing that families are dare I want to say crumbling um, Islam has always promoted a structure of a healthy and positive, striving and breathing family. And what we see here in the West and in other parts of the world is that this whole concept of the family, um, the values that a family has, and indeed the yeah, programs, indeed the togetherness which a family has, isn't where it isn't where it should be, isn't. Um, established as it should be established Um, and that's why we're seeing society crumble that's why we're seeing so many issues that's why we're seeing uh, this being um, an issue here um, with regards to your social media with regards to you know children indeed young adults looking for approval uh, from others um, trying to attain a form of um satisfaction from the approval of others it's completely degenerating um to to view and indeed to see um and it it hurts because it's it's our society and if our society is um running down this sort of avenue then you know god help us because of the um the ramifications that it will have later on and you know as these young adults as these children grow up so they hate to be the sound of doom and gloom, but this is the reality. Um, if we don't have a, a robust and um, very much so concrete family system in in situ, in position, then, you know, it's sad to say that these sort of things will develop and flourish and, um, you know, will be at the mercy of others. Absolutely. And I think... Uh I think you see that you see it you see it everywhere you go yeah. for example you I mean you enter a restaurant maybe 15 years ago uh, you would go to a restaurant you would see people socializing talking mm. to each other now uh, a lot of the time you go to a restaurant and uh, half some people are taking pictures of their food exactly taking pictures of their food number 1 posting it number 2 uh, they are on their phones on social media doing what not but not interacting there'll be table full of people five mm. six people ten people 
and uh, there's no uh, socialization no conversation mm. everyone's just on their phones or taking pictures and just it's the element of trying to seek others approval mm. trying to or influence others you know I, I always to. always wonder that uh, before if let's for example if there was no social media mm. would you knock on everyone's door and tell them oh well, I had this for lunch yeah, yeah. you wouldn't right yeah, yeah. but social media in one way uh, on social media if you're posting that in in another in other words that's yeah, what you're doing, that's what doing yeah. so really ask yourself that is uh, how much of an effect is social me- media having on your personality mm. in other words is you're, you're changing your personality because of um social media mm. and uh, i mean yeah. it's good to share ideas if you've cooked something which is incredible and you know there's a it's um, something which you know you want to share and show other people. That's all well and good, but and indeed, you know, we're not saying that you you can't take pictures of your feet, of course. But there's always a balance that needs to be struck, right? Mm. Um, and, and that's sort of our key sort of message, you know, moderation in anything and in everything that we. I do. mean, I mean, even I mean, if you are like that in real life, yeah, it makes sense, right? I mean, if if you're the kind of person yeah. who would do something. Who do an activity or even go out have certain food and then go literally tell all your friends and everybody that look I, this is what I had or yeah. this is this is what I done or this yeah. is what I enjoyed. Yeah. I mean that I mean I can un- understand that, but yeah. I I don't actually think a lot of people who uh, do this um, on social media mm. um, they they would do that in real life. In real life that, that's yeah. what their actual mm. personality is. I think it's also mm. uh, coming back to the Islamic teachings that. Um, deceiving or deception mm. and lying mm. is not supported and it's uh, Islam is strongly against mm. it and mm. I think and it also comes hand to hand when you were talking about um, families falling apart and mm. uh, societies is crumbling I mean you see someone's social media page or somebody's posts mm. and whatnot and it, the person who is watching it or seeing it or liking it it's actually drawing an image of the other person in mm. their head. It's, it's drawing yeah. a personality in their head. And I think um, sometimes uh, relationships that are uh, uh, that that break, sometimes, mm. I'm not saying always, mm. I think uh, it's because of the false idea mm. that uh, social media had given or the false hope that mm. social media had given somebody about an individual or mm. an individual themselves pretending mm. to be somebody that they're not mm. on social media mm. and um, uh, some relationships are I mean people rely on social media for a lot of things and uh, so I think it, it goes um, hand in hand and definitely uh, teenagers especially uh, parents as well I think everybody should be aware of this and should take this into consideration 100% Um We'll take a short break now, and after the break, we'll continue with this segment um, and see what Islam further has to say on the subject. The inspirer of faith, the one who places faith in the hearts of his servants and protects those who seek refuge in him. Allah is the friend of those who believe. He brings them out of all kinds of darkness into light. It is imperative that nations and their leaders do not focus only on their own national interests, but consider what is best for the world at large. Dialogue with other nations and communities is vital, and 
each party should work together with the spirit of tolerance and with the shared objective of developing true and sustainable peace in the world. Assalamu alaikum and welcome back to the breakfast show here at the Voice of Islam. Before the break, we were going over some of the sort of points around seeking approval and our true essence and indeed purpose here. Um, we'll continue with this sort of uh, discussion and indeed conversation. Um, and this swiftly actually takes me towards the narration of the Holy Prophet, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. It's narrated by the companion. Hazrat Abu Huraira, may Allah be pleased with him, and he said, Prophet, peace be upon him, said, Wealth is not in having many possessions, but rather true wealth is feeling suffice in the soul. And, you know, what blessed words they are indeed, you know, feeling content within within ourselves and within our being, rather than trying to gather as many materialistic uh, possessions as we possibly can and I think that's that's our key really our key really is to make sure that we ensure that the life we live here and the legacy that we leave behind because essentially the legacy that we do leave behind people usually only do remember the services that we offered to others um, you know our, our morals um, and indeed the a life that we live um, and indeed I think making sure that we always remember um, our societal responsibilities and religious obligations, both always going hand in hand, will be paramount to making sure that both not just for ourselves, but for the people and the example that we leave behind is indeed a positive and indeed um, one which others can follow upon. And this takes me towards our next question. Um, how has Islam taught us to strike a balance between our societal responsibilities and indeed our religious obligations? I think balance balance is the key word here. Mm. I mean, not not just when we talk about um, social media or seeking approval online. Generally, in our everyday lives, uh, balance uh, is the key word. I mean, is the key to everything. In Surah Al-Hashr uh, of the Holy Quran. Uh, the verses provide a formula, uh, a recipe, in fact, a blueprint for becoming a truly productive and hostile human being. They lay out a found foundations of personal development from an Islamic point of view. The verses from uh, this chapter of the Holy Quran uh, started by reminding to, uh, rem- to be mindful of the Creator and that He is watching one's every move he is there to guide and help it urges us to have a deep mindful connection with him this goes beyond rituals to involve every aspect of our life including our corporate work and the way we carry ourselves professionally faith is not just about um, looking locking oneself in for worship uh, that we are servants of God who are entrusted to take care of his earth. When our life becomes centered around our basic survival go- goals only, for example, eating, sleeping, uh, to procreate, consume, and, and so on and so forth, this is when we feel a major spiritual void. 
So when one is constantly conscious of his or her spiritual needs and is connected with the source of the spirit throughout the day, this help this helps one feel more at ease and uh, accomplished. Uh, connecting spiritually with our Creator, Allah, uh, is not just about the prayer moments, but the way we carry ourselves throughout the day, uh, how we treat others, how we treat our families, how we put put up with harm and favour, peace over war in the workplace, and so on and so forth. And it's, it's very um, important to remind ourselves that connecting with our creator or having a relationship or fulfilling the rights of our towards our creator having a living relationship with our creator is not just uh it's not just related to your worship that you conduct uh individually it's not just praying five times a day it's not just limited to your prayer mat worship is uh Far greater than that, um, I mean, the Holy Prophet of Islam has even said that smiling at someone is, is a charity and um, so on and so forth. Um, you know, if you if you help, if, if, if your if your neighbor is dying, if there's a fire in his house, there's no point of you praying next door. How will your prayer be accepted mm-hmm. if, 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 if God's creation is suffering next door um, uh, at that time the important form of worship would be to save that person to save God's creation mm-hmm. it's, so I think it's very very important to be open minded when it comes to worship it's not just to do it's not just for your five daily prayers it's not just limited to a prayer mat it's uh, limited to our everyday lives the way we um, conduct ourselves the way we treat others uh, Cleanliness, mm. half of faith, the Holy Prophet, uh, the founder of Islam, has mentioned. Mm. Um, I mean, even to take care of yourselves, uh, to to have shower, to be clean, to wear good, nice clothes, to have a, 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 a decent fragrance on, even that is a part of um, uh, 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 worship in one way or another. No, you're like completely second what you're saying. Um, um, these are all s- forms of how we both can actually, you know, uh, apply the uh, element of uh, being uh, physically inept and what well, physically, um, you know, appealing, dare I say, and also um, offering our obligations that we owe to our mankind. And with that, I also have um, a couple of pre-recorded clips to play for our listeners just on these two um, topics. And my question is today, how can we protect ourselves from the bad impact of social media? Are you... you know, how old are you? I'm 16. 16. Now grown up, well matured. Eh? Allah Ta'ala has given you the wisdom. Allah has given you the sense eh, to understand what is good and what is bad. Right? So why don't do you access those things which are bad in the social media? You can stop, you can block those things. <laughs> this is a simple solution. Don't go 
we should not have the access to the, those uh, uh, things in the social media which are you know, polluting your mind eh? or they are uh, you know spoiling your uh, morals so you can stop seeing them and there are quite a number of good things in the social media you can follow those things so you yourself have to decide if you yourself are determined to save yourself from this the bad thing uh, the bad results of the social media bad effects of the social media then you can save yourself so you yourself have to decide the being a sensible person what uh, you see we can only wake up a person who is sleeping but we cannot wake up a person who is already awakened <laughs> right so you are a sensible person you decide your own self eh? grown up and well matured person okay So today is the second day of the 52nd annual Jalsa Salana here in the United Kingdom where tens of thousands of Ahmadi Muslims from about a hundred different countries are uniting under His Holiness Mirza Masroor Ahmad. Today is a special day because the Khalifa will address both the women and the men in two separate sessions. And what I love about this day is that the Khalifa also gives out awards in recognition of those young men and women who advance in education, get their PhDs, their masters, and their bachelor's degrees. And what's exciting for me about this is that it's a fulfillment of the commandment of our master, beloved Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, who said that education is incumbent upon every Muslim male and every Muslim female. The Khalifa, in his divine wisdom and direction, is leading us Ahmadi Muslim youth to attain education in spiritual forms and in secular forms. And this is why you see Ahmadi Muslims leading the world as, uh, as educators, as doctors, as lawyers. Tune in and we hope you enjoy it as much as we do. That was a very paramount and um, intriguing uh, um, interview there, and indeed uh, the clip by His Holiness uh, informing us of our responsibilities that we do, and indeed our true purpose here on earth. In terms of connecting um, spiritually with Allah the Almighty, um, as Brother Nafichi touched upon earlier on, you know, it's not just about the prayer moments, um, but it's the way that we carry ourselves throughout the day uh, because as a Muslim we don't just scorn ourselves Muslims we live we breathe it and indeed we um, showcase it um, for others so that's you know as an example other people understand what it means to be a Muslim so they understand the true teachings and representation I think it's key here and that sort of leads me on to how we treat others and how we treat our families and indeed how we put up with harm and favor peace over war in the mm -hmm. workplace for example um, and how we are patient with other children and indeed our children and all of these acts of worship um, are most certainly rewarded um, and they make you a better person I think that's also um, dare I say an incentive um, in the secular world you follow the law um, and in everything and anything that's to do with it the constitution you aren't rewarded for it. You are expected to do it, and by all the means we should. But with Islam, if we do follow the commandments, and we do follow the word, and indeed the words of the Holy Prophet, and indeed of the Holy Quran, um, we are uh, promised by Allah the Almighty that we will be rewarded. 
And I think to know that the life of this world is only a, sh- um, a short one, and indeed a sport and a pastime, and an adornment, as prescribed within the Holy Quran, and a source of uh, boasting among yourselves, um, and of worry in multiplying riches and children. This life is like the rain, the vegetation produced whereby rejoices the tillers, then it dries up and thou seeds turn yellow. Then it becomes broken pieces of straw, and hereafter there is severe punishment and also forgiveness from Allah the Almighty and his pleasure. And the life of this world is nothing but temporary enjoyment of deceitful things. Um, that's Holy Quran, chapter 57, verse 2. Um, and in essence, that's, I guess, but one line which summarizes this whole segment that this world is nothing but temporary enjoyment of deceitful things absolutely uh, t- <coughs> temporary i think is the uh, important uh, keyword to remember here if you have this in your mind that everything that you have in this world will uh, perish or finish at one point there you're here for a far greater purpose i think that puts you in the right mindset um, not just to do with social media I think just to, uh, to do with anything, uh, with your, uh, the way you carry yourselves, your goals in your life, mm. your, um, I mean, your targets that you set for yourself in your lives. Quite frankly, some people set themselves targets and they're actually uh, obstacles. Mm. Um, yeah. So if you, I think it's very important to remember that this life is temporary, as mm. said in the Holy Quran. And, um, well, yeah. Um, and then um, that also swiftly actually takes us to the end of today's program. A huge. Thank you for our listeners for staying tuned um, from all the way to seven o'clock to all the way to nine o'clock, and indeed, um, oh, thanks to well, my thanks to you, brother Nafis, for being with me this morning, and indeed, our uh, producers in Danyan Kanta, and indeed in researchers Hania um, Bari Harun, Kafi Latif, Dania Salih Ahmed, Halim Ahmed. Um, a huge thank you for all of your hard work, and I guess we'll uh, see you. Or at least you'll listen to us next week, same time. Until then, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all.